this conversation that I would have over and over and over back in the day, it would be in between Nickelback, mm. right? And Tragically Hip. Like, who's the better band? And like, what does that mean? I graduated college back in 2000. Mm-hmm. And I started in radio and you were working at the Bear in Ottawa. That's where I, I met you first. Yeah. yeah. And... <laughs> We're both out of radio, and that tends to be the theme of anyone that was in radio. That's what they all say at one point. Like, oh, yeah, I was in radio. And it seems yeah. like very few people kind of uh, yeah, make 100%. the whole course, right? Yeah. What is well, it that got you to, in radio to begin with? I don't – because we never really had these – we never had these conversations. Like, no. what got you into wanting to do radio? Tom Schock, by the way, a former radio announcer uh, where I met him at 106.9 The Bear. You were at a couple of different stations in Ottawa as well, yeah. correct? Yeah, I was at XFM for years. I was at Shea 106 for half a heartbeat and a cup of coffee. I can't believe I didn't get fired sooner from that place. That was like, I was such a dick. Yeah. <laughs> I was working there. So yeah, that's why I'm a former radio personality, probably, because right. yeah, I had some issues there for sure. But So let's yeah. talk about some of the weird things that happened in radio as well. So we'll get around yeah. to that. So what yeah, got absolutely. you into radio? Man, uh, okay, so I'm just, I was born in Switzerland, so I didn't know English at all. So I learned English by listening to the radio. Okay. And late at night, um, they used to have this repeater, which would play the global TV show, but on the radio, and you would listen to the shows. And I would have to imagine it. I didn't get to watch it, so I would imagine these shows. And I used to listen to this radio station called Pac-93. And then, of course, there was Energy 1200 that I listened yes. to. But I always wanted to be that guy. I mm-hmm. wanted to be that guy that was on the radio that was talking about what was hip and happening and, you know, the, the highways and the byways and the stacks and stacks of red hot wax. I wanted to be that guy. I wanted to have mm-hmm. a cigarette in my hand and be cool. And that's the, I fell in love with the idea and, okay. and I just wanted to do it. But how different was that idea? So this is really the big yeah. thing, right? Looking back, how different <laughs> that is the oh, contrast man. in between what you think radio is going to be and then what radio is. Okay, so at first, it wasn't really necessarily that different because that kind of a weird cliche radio DJ guy did exist still at that point. Like right. when I started, we were still cutting people's uh, phone calls up on reel to reel, right? Yeah. Like we were, I, I think you were there at that point. Too. Yeah, yeah. We were yeah. cool. We were yeah, cool. Sure. Like if you worked yeah. at a radio station, it didn't matter yeah. if you were overnights, evenings, anything, you were a cool dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We still had overnights and evenings, right? Yeah. Like that was even a weirder shift. Like you met some fucked up people on the yes. overnight <laughs> Some of the best people too, but Absolutely. yeah, so it, it was different though. It changed so quickly, like right underneath my feet because when XFM launched in the Ottawa market, that was sort of the beginning. And when I was in college, that was the beginning of the massive corporate takeover of small family radio stations. Mm-hmm. That's really when we started in radio, that's when it really started to come apart. <laughs> yeah, right. That's true. Yeah. Right. Standard Ottawa radio was a thing, right? Yeah. There were, there were um... yeah. individual owners, like yes. there were family, family run radio stations. And really you could say this about newspapers and television too. It all happened at the same time. Like you look across the landscape today and we readily accept the fact that there's four major players in broadcast media and that's it. And we're totally okay with that. Mm-hmm. But back when we started, it was like, there were hundreds of people that were running radio stations. There still are some smaller ones out there, but man, did that ever change fast? Like voice tracking replaced our positions within two years of us starting. Like we had to scramble mm-hmm. to find full-time work. And even when you were doing like evenings, you were desperately trying to get out of that slot. Cause you knew that. Right. You're next. 
yeah, yeah. Like it was coming for you right like they were starting to shrink the the margins and it was starting to become more of a business and like five radio stations in one building you're like whoa that's fucking crazy yeah and absolutely it happened, it happened so quick and well i remember with the morning show uh with uh, yeah. dog fm and that wasn't even that long ago like that was no. maybe eight yeah. years ago where yeah. they got rid of all their on-air staff uh but they yeah. kept jeff winter who you would know yeah. Uh, and a couple of other people that were doing news, et cetera. And Jeff was doing his show from Florida. Like he wasn't even in Ottawa. So can you yeah. imagine there's a guy in Florida recording his morning show right here in Ottawa? That's just the reality. And we knew it when it came in too. Like it was great to be able to maybe take a day off, mm-hmm. which you never did in radio because you never knew who was going to take your job or whether oh, yeah. they were going to replace you with automation. Yeah. Uh, but as cool as it was to have that option, you're like, fuck, I just don't want to take it. You would come in sick. I remember one time where you called me. I was at the bar because <laughs> I'd follow I'd follow you because you were you know, doing evenings and overnights. I was doing just yeah. strictly overnights. Yeah. And I thought it was my night off. And it was a Friday night. And I was at a place called Hot Peppers. And I was oh, fucking yeah. loaded. I was so loaded. And you're like, uh, Jay, where are you? And I'm like, man, I'm like fucking hammered. <laughs> And then I, I found my I found my way into work. I won't say yeah. how. I don't want to incriminate yeah. anybody, but I got yeah. there. Yeah, I, I remember being so pissed off at you because both you and I had been doing like these crazy stretches of opping and then doing an overnight. So you would basically op somebody else's shift for six hours and then do your live overnight shifts. So right. Back to backs or do a bunch of days in a row and I just wanted to go home <laughs> right you want to go like, home so bad yeah and then I'm like man if I gotta be like entertaining for another six hours I'm gonna kill somebody like right. you, know, you know and it's 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 so funny because you dream about getting that break uh being on the radio and I don't know if you remember your fa- first break on commercial radio I remember mine because it scarred the shit out of me but... I do you were there for mine so yeah <laughs> oh yeah that's right it's like was. doing rock and radio guy hey. yeah yeah yeah, mine was terrible because I, I think the only thing I could manage was to do a back sell. And then I just said my name and the weather and then and then did the song. But I I fucked up the time. I said the wrong time. Oh, and man. the phone lines just lit up. Right. And then for about three minutes, I had everybody stand on six phone lines at the same time. They're like, man, you're such a fucking loser. You don't even know what time it is. And I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm 19, just crushed. Just like my dream to be on the air and press that red button. And at the same time, it just like a big punch right to the dick. Well, no, it is, Tom. It's like this instant accountability. Yeah. Like it's right yeah. then and there. You do something yeah. wrong oh, yeah. and everybody knows it. And can you imagine, yeah. like you're saying, some of those stretches. I remember 60-day stretches oh, yeah. realistically, right? Because yeah. what would happen, because you left and I was still there at one point. And so if you were to be the overnight person like I was... Mm. Uh, you would basically have to fill in for so many spots. For sure, you would do evenings. Uh, you had much more pedigree than I did at the time. So you would also yeah. do some middays or drive or whatever that might right. be. So you would have to replace all those people. One person goes on vacation, you yeah. do that week or two, right? Then the other person goes on vacation, you do another week or two. And I, I remember at one point that you know you were obviously incredibly unhappy. And I remember many times in radio being completely unhappy and then you have to find a way to go on air every day and make it seem like number one you give a fuck that you're there Uh, number two that you're happy you're cracking jokes so I don't know like someone was talking to me about 
uh, PTSD and trauma. And they were yeah. saying how, like with Theo Fleury, yeah. how could he be such a good hockey player yet go through all that trauma? But for him being on the ice was his getaway. Yeah. I did not find sometimes that just being on radio was my getaway. Sometimes just having to do it so much and, and being pulled so far in one direction to where like, I didn't want to go do another show and there was no escape and nobody wants to fucking hear your complaints about radio because like, you know, you're the new dude. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also the danger like, Oh, you don't like it. That's cool. You can just go clean out the promo closet or you can wear the bear mascot outfit. If you want to make money that way instead, right. like we pay the same, so we don't give a shit. So you, you like when you're given that opportunity, you're desperate to hang on to it. So you say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. And you're totally right, man. Like I remember, like there were instances where stuff's going on in your life because you're still a regular person, but there's stuff going on in your life and you just can't bring it with you. You just got to shut it off. So you almost create this person that's you, but not you. It's like the best of you given the format. Mm-hmm. And that's um, that really came home and, and really... Um, hurt me badly like a few years ago because I it it manifested itself in a really horribly crippling mental health issue like I ended up at the Ottawa hospital ready to kill myself because Mm -hmm. I couldn't deal with the stuff that was like I had set I had created this person for myself that was Tom Shock right like you were J-Man right but you're when you're not that person everything else just comes back to you and you're grossly unhappy like I'm telling you, man, like the amount of people that I see on TV today or social media um, or radio or anybody really that wants to be famous, careful what you wish for, because when you are, there is no escape. There is no escape from yourself or from the demands of what that means, like because you can't fuck up, right? Mm -hmm. Like there is that kind of element to it. Um, But I loved it. I really did because I could just put everything else aside and I could just be funny. Because being funny is is easy, is simple, and sometimes it's like if you have that goal and something to focus on, you can't worry about all this other BS. But like it did hurt me because I I didn't deal with it properly. Like yeah. I just didn't deal with a lot of stuff properly, and I ended up drinking a lot. And like you do you do stuff that you tell your kids not to do. Yeah, <laughs> no know? doubt. I, like I yeah. found myself on autopilot as I got older. Like there was this one time. And this was more recently, it was the last time that I was on air is when I was working uh, with the rock station that had just opened up here in Ottawa. And my first day back on radio after four or five years also happened to be my mother's funeral. And it was my birthday. Oh, my God. Right. So there's all these emotions and not for one second did someone say like, hey, you know, like take the day off. Yeah. You know, I was expected, I was expected to be there. And I mean, it's not to say anything poorly about those individuals, right? That's just how the industry works. You just, you show up, you pay your dues and the people that generally have the longest careers, and this is not the case with everybody, but some of the longest careers is just the fact that they have the thickest fucking skin. Yep. Right. Where most people, I mean, yeah, it's durability. It really is. Because there's a lot of things that keep you in. Because there's an ego element, right? There's a lot of perks. You get to go to great concerts. You know, you get free music. You get to meet famous people. Like, you know, I'll never forget meeting Slash. And you get to interview some of these people, too. And you're like, well, what would my life look like if I I didn't have that? Yeah, I I mean, I have stories that I love to bring out every once in a while. You get to entertain even now in hindsight. You you get to live on the fumes or the shadows of this career that you once had. Because sometimes, you know, it, 
it's a great story. Like the time I slow danced with Alice Cooper in St. John. Like it was like, <laughs> like it's just. Did you grab it, ass? Did you grab ass? I, I was so loaded. I don't even remember. Don't Somebody even remember. showed me a video the next day. So I'm like, right. oh, that actually happened. Neat. Great. Yeah. See, that's the other side of it. You're like, whoa, that's so cool. And then you're like, man, I wish I could remember half the stuff I did because, but it is that it, you, you're right. Like you get pulled into this, this ego, this ego trip, because man, like, I'm not going to lie. It's super cool to get recognized for what you do and mm-hmm. for people to like you. And it's like, it, it, it pumps your tires and it's great. But the flip side of that is that it can be relentless, like especially today uh, with social media and the access people can have and the willingness that people have to share their private details. That's that's insane to me. Yeah, it's a different world. Yeah, I I did it on the air in but I was I was able to control that in a lot of Mm -hmm, ways mm -hmm. um, because you have to fit it into a format. But there is a price to pay. But I as somebody who constantly feels drawn to put myself into the spotlight i i I just i like it i like i like failing i like failing publicly i really like being shitty at something and making a complete ass and and getting better yeah and yeah but we're living in this world right now though you know when you were talking about um just the the social media and luckily i didn't have to deal too much with that is that your your social media and what happens in your professional life and your personal life like all these things are just melded together uh in yeah. one now it's all just yeah. one thing there there's yeah. no separation like before you could say well that's my own you know private social media and what i do yeah. there doesn't affect anything else Found and it. now it affects everything you know teachers yeah. are getting fired for having a drink that they yeah. post on their on their facebook what yeah. is what what is your favorite concert that you've ever seen and it doesn't necessarily have to be like one of your favorite bands a lot of people will always go towards their favorite bands maybe it was their favorite concert what was one thing that you saw live and you were like holy shit this is like unbelievable you'll never forget it i remember i was in fredericton it was the east coast music awards and it was at a bar called the back nine which was this weird bar down a back alley and it was it was two stories or one and a half stories. There was sort of this weird balcony at the back, and then there was this stage, and the town was lit. Like the whole town was alive that night because everybody was out to drink and party and see some of the best bands on the East Coast. And at that time there was Joel Plaskett. Um, like there was these all these bands. Hey Rosetta was coming through. Nice. Like there was it was big times and uh, like uh, Matt Mays, all this stuff was happening, and Winter Sleep was there. And I was, Oh, they're fucking amazing. Yeah. So I didn't know anything about them other than their single weighty ghost and some research that I did for an interview. And I went to that show and I, I feel like I was in the middle of a lightning strike. Like it was electric and there was no room in that place, way over fire capacity for (laughs) sure. Like it was, there was blood, there was sweat, like the guitarist on his first two songs shredded his his strings off and he just replaced them as best as he could while he was playing. Like they were in it and they were in it to do um, something they'd never done before, which was to try and literally try to blow the roof off the place. And you felt that from them. And I became a fan in that moment. And it was one of the, because you get cynical in radio because you get to see so many shows, but was one of the few times I really truly felt like a fan. And I felt like I, like I felt the power of somebody that was so into their music in that moment that you just couldn't walk away from that and not be like 
just lit up like you were blazing at that point it was yeah, great dude that's sick yeah. and i i caught them at canadian music week not knowing yeah. who they were yeah and it was one of those things because they had a well at least at the time they kind of had one of these ambient like eerie type sounds it was something yeah. very different very unique yeah uh, someone should check them out if you haven't by the way big plug yeah. for them uh, yeah, and it was absolutely. just one of those things i'm like wow you know that there's something special happening i think the more you're around music too like you yeah. kind of know when there's just something happening and when there is something uh, that's real happening. That's really happening. Yeah. And like that was early in their career too. And right. They, they were, they hadn't established themselves yet. Like they, they were massive overseas before they were ever big in, in North America and they, mm-hmm. and they really took on a life of their own, but it's their live show that just had the potential to just like. Now. Just, yeah. For me, it was uh, Billy Idol. Okay. And <laughs> I didn't know anything about Billy Idol. Billy Idol would be someone I would skip over in Guitar Hero if I was playing Xbox. I really had no interest. I just, you know, you hear the the regular, you know, Moni Moni, Hey Mother, and that was about as far as it went. And I had a friend named Karen, and Karen said, do you want to go to Montreal and see Billy Idol? And I didn't even really go see concerts at that point, other than just what I would see through the radio station. I would just pick up some tickets and go. I would never yeah. kind of like leave the city. So this was a right. big event for me. Yeah. And I went reluctantly and she was, was it, is it sex? Sit, what a flesh for fantasy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I couldn't stand that song on the way up. <laughs> she played it for me. And, uh, but I saw the show and it was so amazing. And it was so electric. It was Metropolis in Montreal. And oh, wow. he was okay. singing signing autographs it was just loud he would stop at the course and just everyone erupted in Mm. singing the lyrics it was just magical and that like i think of it all the time and when i hear billy idol now no matter what the song is like it just it opens a portal right back to that evening yeah and and a night i will absolutely never forget he's like Mm. and then i saw him again afterwards and it wasn't the same didn't you always find that whenever you um, were part of those live events, because I know that you had to go on stage and do introductions and all that kind of stuff, man, it was, it's sort of like, I don't even know how to say this without being completely un PC about it, but being on stage before a band is like being the Super Bowl winning quarterbacks backup. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> you're it. like, yeah, man, I'm part of it. And you're like, right. no, man, nobody's here for you. Get the fuck off the stage. But right. You're you just want a bit, like, just give me mm-hmm. some fringe love, anything. So you just mm-hmm. try and get yourself as close to that band as possible to get them intro. And I remember doing those things and it was hilarious because now in hindsight, especially you're like, wow, like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> Stop, get off the stage. You know, everybody wants to see the chili peppers. Nobody came here to see Tom. <laughs> you were, you were there a little too long. A lot, a lot, yeah. you know, you, or you, at least you feel like you are because when you're on stage and you're doing, especially at big events, you never want to be the guy that does go on too long because again, nobody's there to see you. Right. So when you're at those big events, you're like, man, that two seconds or that 10 seconds felt like three minutes. Mm -hmm. Just you're mentioning all the sponsors and all that stuff, which is another. Oh, not wanting to mess those up. Yeah. Oh dude. I remember when I was on the, again, the rock station, my most recent, I was the, the voice for Volkswagen. Okay. Uh, so I just read their commercials. I was that guy. And I just something subtle. And when people want to talk about, you know, politics, there's politics everywhere on radio. They are harsh. And you can lose yeah. your job quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I wasn't thinking about it. They had come out with a new Volkswagen bug at the time. 
right? You know what we know, what we know is the modern day bug. And I'm like, oh, my God, like Herbie would roll over in his like, you know, his graveyard grave or whatever, whatever it was, his junkyard grave. And just a little thing, just thinking that was I I did not personally like I wasn't a big fan of the update. Like, oops, forgot I do those reads saying like, hey, come down to whatever play Volkswagen or whatever and check out the brand new (laughs) bug. It has this and has that. And then I'm on air and I just have that one little slip up and I almost lost my my job because of it. Yeah. And yeah, I always yeah. tell people in regards to the way that the world works here, and you and I would know this very well, yeah. uh, is that we would do something called the top six at six mm-hmm. uh, on the bear, right? And here's yeah. a spoiler alert. If you don't want your radio world like ruined right now, tune out, yeah. come back in two minutes. Yeah. Is that we would do this top six at six and people yeah. would call in and we'd tell them to call in, right? Yeah. Like we are, we are the puppets yeah. and no we're like, Hey, Call in, you know, it's it's five o'clock. We're going to be doing the top six at six in one hour, you know, six, one, three, whatever it might be and email us. And that that list was generated a couple of days ago. It it has nothing to do with what's happening right now, opposed to a trend. And it doesn't matter how many people call in. Mm -hmm. That has no impact on what's going to be number one. We're just we're just taking a guess. Should we pull all the myths out? Should we do that? Yeah, just like magicians and running all the tricks. Yeah, I'll request. Yeah, I'll request. Like, if you don't know that yet, and if somebody says right. to you, "I'll see what I can do," not yeah, it's happen. not going to happen. Yeah, I'll see no. what I can do. Is mean, I, I yeah, I've ignored you. Uh, <laughs> this is crazy. And if yeah. if that's what's happening, like on this level, like yeah. it's amazing that people don't think that happens in other places, right? Like yeah. we're just doing this on a radio station. Like you don't yeah. think Although that happens in politics. Yeah. You don't think that happens at your job. Like you don't think that you're constantly being manipulated. And that's what we were doing. And that's what I don't like about media now. I understand Mm -hmm. it's harmless and I'm doing it to play into like what somebody wants. But at the same time, like there's a part of you, like it's just, you're playing this game, right? Well, I I think part of it, what really irked me is that like as your talk time got reduced over the years and you would have seen that too. Like at first, nobody cared how much you talked. You just, you know, you did your break, whatever mm-hmm. you got a minute or so or two minutes or so or blah, blah, whatever, who cares. Um, but as it went on through the years, it was like, okay, you got a 15 second ramp, which is basically you have a little bed that plays underneath you, a little music bed and you have mm-hmm. 15 seconds until the ID comes in and you got to, you got to nail it. You can't leave like a big space in between there. Yeah. So you become very like practiced in, in that regard too. But, when it came to sponsors and stuff, it's, you have to wonder, like when you do that and you're, you're forced to do that. Yeah. Okay. It's not really a big deal, but it, it does raise the question. Like if the people that are supposed to be the spokespersons for truth and entertainment and those types of things, if they're made to do unscrupulous things or unethical things, then aren't you watching the devil do his dance? And aren't you then taking part in what's wrong with everything? Yeah, we are, dude, we were, right? we yeah, absolutely no, were. You know, yeah. like I, I still remember the conversation that really started to tilt my head into a different direction where I thought, maybe I don't want to be part of radio anymore. And that happens a lot in radio, probably daily, but this is one of the more serious things mm-hmm. was when I, I did a break on the air and it was for a charity uh, that was doing like a car wash and you came down and you donated money um, and there was a barbecue and all these things. And I talked about it on the air and it was just like a good community thing, but didn't think anything of it. The next day I get a, an email from my program director and she calls me into her, her office and she says, you know what, 
like what are you doing you, you can't talk about that like they were supposed to do a buy with us mm. they didn't do a buy and now you're just giving them what they wanted for free for free so like, right and i i just thought i'm like i didn't say anything at the time i was like yeah you know sorry my, i didn't know but my bad like whatever uh, but then i thought in hindsight i'm like what the fuck like if you're not gonna do a fucking charity i understand that there's money on the table i, I get that but like I don't, I did not, I just don't understand why I can't talk about a community event that's happening that I would go to on my own free will. If I'm interested, and I think people that are listening are going to be interested, why can't I talk about it unless they give you money? Isn't that what payola was? Right. Cause it just feeds in, it feeds into that system, right? If other charities are paying or whatever, or other clients yeah. are paying, yeah. then they must right. do the same. Yeah. And then you just, you yeah. don't really question it. And then you just don't do it. But and to get was- like reprimanded for it is kind of like, it, it was I think it was a really acrimonious relationship with this one individual so I didn't know the backstory I didn't care I didn't want to be part of it but I remember working in in promotions and that was the hardest explanation I ever had to do and I had to do it consistently was I had to explain to charities why they could only get so much airtime for nothing um, mm. until eventually like my boss would be like hey no like you can't I don't care who they are like be their fundraising for whatever like you name it and Mm -hmm. people start to think about like wow that's so cold and so calculating i'm like yeah but the only currency radio stations have is airtime right like there's nothing else yeah so if you're giving that away for free to every john dick and harry that has a charity like you know and again like you said just because this kind of corruption happens in radio right it happens elsewhere as well so charities have that as well right so yes you get into this whole it happens everywhere, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like right. when I talk about like I, I question a lot of different things that just happen in everyday narratives based on just based on that experience alone of just yeah. I mean <laughs> knowingly like like lying, I guess lying to people. Yeah, you know, no, no, prompting no. them to do something that I mean really that, that they're just puppets. And I don't yeah. mean that in a bad way. I love taking the phone calls and like, you yeah. know matching them up with the songs and and there are some jocks that do have ability to take songs and and put them in or take them out i'm not saying it's like it's not totally an illusion yeah. right but it's like it's a lot different than what people think yeah. people think radio is frazier yeah like people they really still, do well right? a lot of people there was research that proved that a lot of people still believe that you have a personal relationship with a lot of the bands that play on the air yeah that you that you know them Uh, which is insane to me that people still think that way. But I mean, I remember the way I fell in love with radio and that idea of radio and really the radio jock was the closest thing people had, the closest access point to rock and roll back Mm -hmm. in the day. Like that's what it was built on. Like if they played your song on the radio, you started to get known and people would hear your music. And when you played a show there, people would go to your show. Mm -hmm. That's what it was built Mm on. So like there's that old relationship, but it's just not like that now. Like when you have these major companies, they're programming your radio station locally in a major market. And that means like out of market or a big city. Mm-hmm. So the music you hear in Brockville and Kingston and Fredericton, if you're a bell station was programmed here right. in Ottawa and yeah. is now being played at the same time in all these places. And that's not good either. Like No, because you used to have people go around to the stations like, uh, what were their names again? Like, not like agents or whatever, but their reps, the music reps, oh, the music reps. you know, yeah, would, would pop in yeah. and they would, you know, have a relationship with the music director. You could get to know yeah. them as well. Yeah, it's a, a yeah. totally different world. Yeah. You know, I'm glad yeah. that I used my first six years in radio purely to try to, you know, have sex with women oh, all yeah. over that building. Yeah, I... Oh. But, See, 
that building to me okay there's a couple of things that happen in that building even to this day where i'm i told this story to my wife the other day and she thought it was funny and this is not a big deal in the grand scheme of things but i was the overnight guy and i was poor like we got paid shit right if at all sometimes like you're like you should be happier on the air this is under your intern hours you're like it's july right it was like <laughs> seven bucks an hour let's just be real this yeah. is what we we're talking yeah. about then yeah that's what it was you're like man i'm a star seven dollars an hour i can't yeah. even afford to eat at tim hortons so yes. you would oh tom do me a favor over. can you just bring the camera up a little bit more oh so, perfect yeah. yeah wonderful so i would uh i'd do the overnight shifts and <laughs> i never had any food so they had this freezer upstairs and so I would sometimes yes. like take a couple of Michelinas or a Swanson's or whatever. Right. And I'd heat that up and eat it. And I'd be the only food I had that night. Then a staff memo went out and it's like, whoever is eating my frozen diet yeah. Michelinas, <laughs> stop yeah. eating it. And I'm like, well, shit. Okay. So I stopped for a couple of days, but I got hungry. So I kept it up, kept eating them. And finally there was like a big caps spaced kind of letter that went out in a memo. And it was yeah. now from the boss is like, please respect everybody's lunch and stop eating. And I'm like, well, I'm going to keep going. So I then eventually ended up stealing one of those big rolls of burgers. For the yes. Station, station go bar. big or go home. Yeah. I took one of those out and took that home. And basically what ended up happening is I ended up locking the fridge upstairs. <laughs> so <laughs> You're that guy. eh? You're the one responsible for that. I was the guy stealing the lunches. And that was probably that building was notorious because people did all sorts of bad things in there. And I was so green and like straight out of the country i yeah. thought that that was the worst thing in the world and i was no, man. scared i was gonna lose my job and i didn't even know this but people were doing like they were smoking inside or they were i yeah. remember not good just smoking a doobie in the studio at one point and I'm yeah like, oh, a lot okay. of sex yeah a lot of sex yeah. it happened yeah where somebody told me at one point i was in one of those voice booths they're like yeah i wouldn't touch that yeah oh. <laughs> yeah could you imagine yeah that <laughs> In today's landscape, wouldn't fly. No. Like you're not no. touching anything. No, no, not touching no. anything at all. No, it's. But radio at, at that time was. I remember being in public and people came to see you as a radio DJ. Like when you did mm -hmm. uh, different things, especially when we were at Super X and we were broadcasting live from there. The people that came and did stuff to meet Blink One Eighty Two. I remember this guy put a hundred and one safety pins through his skin no 101.1 xfm so he put 101 safety pins through his skin so he could get tickets that's so crazy I, I obviously gave him tickets and then one guy's yeah. like hey man i'm like oh i'm sorry he's bleeding yeah that's right <laughs> it takes priority <laughs> yeah he's i gotta give him some tickets that looks like it hurts a lot like yeah who's who's yeah. the nicest guy that you've met as a radio announcer like as far as bands and who was like the not nicest as far as who, sorry? As fans, bands, 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 artists, like in your radio days. I mean, you're not going to work in radio again, and I'm probably not going to work in radio again. No. Let's just fuck it. Who yeah. is it? Who did you hey, not like? One of the nicest was, uh, and strangest guys, was Andrew WK. Do you remember him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like a punk rocker, like heavy rock yeah. anyways. Yes. Yeah. So okay. he came in, and he was, just a, he was just happy to be eating, I think, at that point, because he'd been on the road for so long. Right, yeah. He... I think he was ripped when he came into the studio because he had this massive bowl that had cereal, like four different kinds of cereal in it with tuna and all like everything mashed into it. And he had that signature white t-shirt on and looked mm -hmm. like he hadn't showered in weeks and he mm -hmm. just stunk, but he was one of the nicest guys. Right. And the biggest dick. <laughs> uh, well, that's taking another step, but sure. Yeah, man. 
I remember Avril Lavigne was pretty entitled at some point. Like, yeah, I, I see. So we were at the stage at the same time. I heard something along the lines that, you know, she wanted to have like one cup of like warm water, one cup yeah. of cold water and like some honey. Like, what was it? Yeah, it was. I don't remember. But like she, she had to have a drink. I don't remember what the drink was. Okay. I remember I blew her off for an interview because I, and this is real early in her career, like super early in her career before <sighs> Skater Boy even broke. Like, yeah. It was just starting to get played. And I was doing something else. I had another band that I was supposed to be interviewing. And I said, no, no, like not now. I did one of these. No. Like, like because I, I was in the studio. I didn't want you to come in. I was going to press the, the button, right? Right. So like, no, no, don't come in. Go away. Bad timing. And yeah. So she really didn't like me. So the next time an interview opportunity came up and she was huge, they asked if I wanted to do it. And I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. And they said no, because she remembered that I was. There. Wow. <laughs> wow. I, I, yeah. But it was. I never had a problem with her, I guess. Um, I remember telling that story to uh, Sam Roberts at the Much Music Video Awards when I went down there. And That's I ended cool. up hanging out with Sam Roberts. Nice. And he actually, he's one of the nicest guys I've ever met because he said thank you to me personally because I ended up playing his song, Brother Down, for Attila at Universal. Right. And Attila really liked it. And I'm not sure what happened after that. Just coincidence and timing, really. And they ended up signing Sam Roberts to a distribution deal. And after that, he got a record deal. So Sam's like, hey, man, thanks for playing a small part. So he bought me like this huge daiquiri that was like this big with a thousand <laughs> umbrellas in it. At the That's awesome. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. So he was a great guy, too. I, I think he's one of the most underrated Canadian musicians. You know what I mean? Yeah. In regards to just like popularity, he should be more popular uh, yeah, than he is. But I don't think that's what he wants, though, either, though. I don't think that's his thing, right? He doesn't really care about how big he is. You always knew that he was always just going to be a musician. When From the Mm -hmm. first second that you met him, he he is who he is. Like, Mm -hmm. Sam Roberts isn't going to be one of those guys that's just not going to fade away from the Canadian music scene. He's going to be much like the Tragically Hip were. Like, they were across generations, right? Like, they just kept going. And Sam Roberts can't help it. He's prolific. People will team up with him, and he'll end up he'll end up producing something. Sure. You know what? Always. That brings me to something I want to, this conversation that I would have over and over and over back in the day, it would be in between Nickelback, mm. right? And Tragically Hip. Like who's the better band? And like, what does that mean really? Because mm. like for me, it's like, if I want someone to represent Canadian music, these are my factors. Number one, popularity, right? right. And, and their reach. Yeah. So, I mean, okay, I understand that a lot of Nickelback songs might sound the same, but as far as being like an epic Canadian band, you know, they'll sell out stadiums of 30 or 40,000. People like their music. They win awards and they open up the gateway for these other bands. Like, don't tell me that the Tragically Hip didn't want to be big in the States. Of course they would have wanted to be big in the States. They would have made a whole bunch more money. It's just people in the States didn't dig them. And we have CanCon which yeah. a lot of people aren't aware of. I believe it used to be 35%. I think it's something yeah. like 40% now where yeah. you have to play 40% of Canadian music in between the hours of nine and nine. Is that how it works? Yeah, I forget I forget the time frame. So naturally, yeah. it's not to say that Tragically Hip, they're not a good band and they wouldn't get played if we didn't have CanCon. They are a, a good Canadian band. Canadians like them because they get exposed to a lot of their music, but they just don't have time for them in the states they're just they're not the big time and it's not a slam to them so when it comes down to who do i see as being you know the the best modern canadian band yeah it it goes 
to Nickelback every time for me. Yeah, well, people can't get over the fact. I don't know what it is why people hate Nickelback. I don't understand because why do people love Bon Jovi? Yeah. <laughs> I don't like, know. What, why do they love Bon Jovi? The same reason people love Nickelback. Yeah, it's they just the do. Same, it's, it's they just. It, it, what's wrong? I don't. I never got it. Like, what right. is it that you don't like in, about Nickelback? It's the same band. It's Bon Jovi. It's right. Motley Crue. It's Guns right. N' Roses. Like the, these are not bands. It's the Rolling yeah. Stones. Like you can't tell me that the first album for the Rolling Stones, and then the third album, and then the fifth album is like, man, it's not even the same band. Like mm-hmm. they eventually found a rhythm and a formula. ACDC, yes. like. Give me a holy three. shit. Yes, that legit. So many of their songs sound the same. Yeah, like you rock and roll at noise pollution, and then you go through and you're like, uh, yeah, same one. <laughs> yeah, I don't, for I, sure. So it's, yeah, like the tragically hip. I love the tragically hip, but if you're going to get all artsy and um, really philosophical about music, is the tragically hip the better band? I don't know mm. much about music other than having played it on the radio. Yeah. Sure. Lyrically. Like musically, right. are they are they more diverse? Are they more eclectic? Are they more daring? Are they more challenging? Yeah, hundred percent. Are they the better band? No, no. Like because you you can't like it depends. I guess on how you you weigh the thing. But I just hated playing Nickelback. I just <laughs> I also hate Pink Floyd. Well, we would also have to hear these tunes over and over and over, especially like a new song like "How You Remind Me." I'll never forget that song. And sometimes uh, in between 11 at night and six o'clock in the morning, yeah. you've played it three times, yeah. maybe yeah. four. And that would be yeah. every day. Can you imagine being on a stretch like that? And yeah. then these are songs that have been ruined to this day for me. Like, I just yeah. don't want to hear it anymore. It's yeah, not enjoyable. Absolutely. No, there, there's so many of those that become earworms that become more of like an ear snake. And you want to kind of choke, yeah. <laughs> like choke yourself with it because some of those songs just got so repetitive. It wasn't fun. Yeah. What are what are three songs? I'll I'll just start just to give you an example because maybe it'll just uh it'll activate like it'll brain jog you. But like sure. three tunes that I remember hearing, like because I would come in on the weekends, for instance, I started off just doing weekends, and I never. This is the thing. I didn't listen to radio when I wasn't there. A lot of people that that were into radio, like that's what you kind of just do. I didn't. Yeah. Every once in a while, I would right just yeah. so someone could say they love this station. I'm like, oh, I work there. We yeah. should have sex. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That's, a, that's an amazing opening yeah, that, line. That makes, yeah. that's, he yeah. makes a valid point. <laughs> and they, there was, um, oh, shoot. There was the, and we'll, I'll just do it from rock radio because that's where okay. I know you from. There was right. Dreamer from Ozzy Osbourne because that's one that released after so long of him not doing anything, right? Yeah. So that was a big one. Coldplay and Yellow, there is nothing to date that, like, all the stations that I worked at when there was a new song and when yellow dropped, it's like, it was the only song that should have been played on the radio. Nobody else wanted to hear anything other than Coldplay. Like when we opened up the lines, to the top six, six, you just knew it's going to be number one. It's going to be program number one. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, by Lenny Kravitz, that was another one that just was, it just blew up. And those are actually all tunes that I, that I liked. Mm -hmm. And I think, Looking back on them all, the one that got the most grief was Coldplay because people weren't happy that that was classified as rock, but it yeah. was huge regardless. Yeah. yeah. What, what would be your three? The three that like you're like, wow, people are digging this shit. Yeah. Man, uh, real early on, it was, uh, I think when I was at XFM, it was when uh, Lincoln Park was really big. 
Ooh, like yeah. Were, right. So they, they were really big and like anything that they came out with, like you just, you just played the hell out of it. Um, Kid Rock. Oh, that's uh, not a good one. Yeah. Ba with the ba. People loved that song. Like if you, if you were to play that song today for kids <laughs> that were my age when they got into that song, yeah. they'd be like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, I don't like this. <laughs> but people love that. And uh, and then he had, uh, was that American Badass was his song that he came out yes. with. And people just loved it. But I had to explain to people that that's a Metallica song. It's a Metallica, oh, yeah. It's a Metallica riff that he's using. And... He, and people are like, no, no, it's Kid Rock. Metallica sucks because Metallica had already at that point not been cool. Um, <laughs> and then I think the one that uh, that probably blew up the biggest for us is when we started playing on XFM. We started playing. This is right when we knew hip hop was coming to the market. We started playing at Eminem, and when we started playing Eminem, okay, like it just it was. I still remember that because it kind of like it really created this schism uh, within our format because we saw how wildly popular like DMX and Eminem and like these massive hip hop artists that were starting to really break the mainstream were going to become, we saw the writing on the wall that alternative was fading. This Mm -hmm. is post nine 11 now. Right. So it's a new world and things changed. It wasn't about being an angry new metal band anymore. It was, there was, there were other things going on. So music was taking on this social change and we knew that was happening. And you're like, Oh man. And you knew you were in trouble as a radio station. Cause yeah. you're like, um, I don't know if I can do hip hop just so you know. And it's, what's really funny about that is that shortly after we introduced that hot 89, nine obviously came onto the air, but I still remember that I got fired from XFM with Mahler and rush. We were all fired at the three of us at the same time. So they could bring in kiss FM, which was supposed to be this new pop station Yes. And they didn't keep Mahler and Rush. And then they went across the street and they went to Hot. And they're still there today. And they're still the number one morning show yes. today. And the reason that they got rid of them at Rogers is because they said that they couldn't do that format. And they just basically said, oh, yeah, watch this. And they went ahead and did it. So I know both those guys. And those are two of the nicer guys that I ever met in the business. And they deserve all that success because they, mm. they got jobbed. And they, they were, you knew they were going to be good. Mm-hmm. When you first heard them mm-hmm. on the air, they were so raw, but they were funny. Yeah, they had something uh, going on. Know what it was like? You're just listening yeah. to two dudes talk. Yeah. And, and it's not easy to do that. You think it would be easy as turning no. on the mic and just having a conversation. It's not. And the fact that no. it was so raw and it was so real uh, and they just had something special. So it's no. And they, they have to be one of the longest running duos in radio yeah. history, at least here yeah. in this market. Yeah. Like Doc, Doc, Doc and, and Woody. Woody were, yeah, they were around forever. And like they took their morning show from the bear, which was before we got there. And yeah. they went across the street over to. They, yeah. Day, so. Well, they switched morning shows. Those two yeah. stations. That was the weirdest it, thing. It was. It, and those were the days where like people yeah. think about hockey today and how players are headhunted back in those days before we got into radio. And it happened a little bit still when I was, but not really radio stations would headhunt morning shows and they would go out and like have these secret mm. fucking meetings. Like, yes. <laughs> Like, if you think about yeah. it today, you're like, what? But they would go and like, hey, man, you, we need you to come over here because, um, you know, your your uh, your whole coked up, drugged out, desperate loser kind of shtick really works on the air. And the guy's like, yeah, I'm real. I'm actually like that. And they're like, yeah, come on over with your problems. <laughs> we need you. Over. Yeah, we need <laughs> yeah. you. We need you over here. We got to sell some fucking rock and roll. Let's right, go. That's right. Yeah, we will fuel your addictions. Come on <laughs> over. What's the perfect station for you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it was like that was that was so cool at that point. But yeah, those, I mean, 
those three songs really changed the way that I thought about music and how mm. it impacted people. Like, yeah, you, and you saw that. Like, and that's the power of music, though, right? Like, when you think about Kid Rock and these artists that break on radio, and people have this real visceral reaction to it, mm-hmm. and they they call in and it prompts them to be like, "Yeah, yeah, that's a great song, man. That's awesome. That's crazy. That and that's powerful." And you're in touch with that. You're getting that feedback directly from people, and that was super cool at that time. Yeah, I do miss I do miss that energy, and to yeah. and that's the crazy like some of the most wild shit happened on the overnights for me. And I don't just mean in regards to because there's nobody there and you could like literally do anything you want. I just mean you could back in those days. And I I don't even believe it would be like that now because people are so preoccupied with other things. Right. And like, I think people's habits have changed right now. They're going to scroll through TikTok at night and they're not going to listen so much uh, to radio. I think there's probably less overnight jobs than they've ever been with cutbacks and stuff like that. Automation. Any. I don't even know if whatever it might either. be, right? Yeah. But it could be three o'clock in the morning and you could do a contest for some tickets. If you were blessed, if someone didn't give away their Tucson's tickets or something like that, and you just happen <laughs> to have some scraps and you just happen to have some scraps at three o'clock in the morning, those lines would light up yeah. like in a heartbeat. And we had six yeah. lines, right? Mm-hmm. And you could go through them all. You could do caller number 20 at yeah. three o'clock in the morning. And that's how yeah. big like the yeah. bear was back in the day when, when we were working there. But, you know, it's talking to those people at those times of the day, I think was so important because it gave me such an understanding unbeknownst to me at that time mm-hmm. about how many different people were out there that were living different lives in a parallel universe to yours. And that you were really fortunate to be doing what you're doing because mm-hmm. some of the people that I talked to, like they're, they were hanging on, you know, they're working like the double, they're working their second or third job because they have kids at home or they're, but they were the nicest people. Those people that were often what most people, they wouldn't even see them. There were these ghosts. They would finish their overnight shift. And we had this kin shift and and at six 30 in the morning, we would see them going home, but most people were going to the, to work and they didn't see these people at all. They're the janitors or the cleaners or the garbage men of the world. And a lot of them were super lonely. And a lot of them had like mental health issues, but they always brought me coffee. They always brought me donuts they always brought me food or they called me or they told me a joke. It wasn't always funny, sometimes horribly or wildly inappropriate. And you put it on the air anyway. But yeah, fucking right. Like they, they were your show. They were your audience. Mm-hmm. And like you, you made a world for them sometimes. Like when you really were in the groove and you had these guys call in, like I still remember when you talk about the energy, you know, when, when you left that studio and you had a good show, like you had a good show, you had good callers, you had good bits, you were tight, you didn't fuck up any posts, you didn't walk all over the lyrics, you did the weather, you didn't stumble, and you taped it. Yes. Yes. Boom. Yes, Boom. I'm going, and I'm going to drink the entire bottle of Jaeger when I get home, because today was a good day. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. that was, like, that was an electricity that you felt, because mm-hmm. when people played along, and then you you had the chance to really, like, do what you always envisioned that you wanted to do as a kid. Like you were that guy, you were entertaining people, man. Like you felt it. It was, it was there. Mm -hmm. And oddly enough today, like you, I don't listen to radio all that much, but Mm -hmm. like when you listen to it today, I'm, it's a pretty bleak landscape in radio, in my opinion. Um, But I will say the people that do do it today and are able to do it well, 
hats off to you because it's more difficult than ever to do it with any kind of like genuine feeling or authenticity in such a such a tight drum like you're literally in this kind of weird like sterile environment that's very corporate and very controlled Mm -hmm. and it's it's really difficult to make that human because there's nothing more human than radio because it's immediate sound right and and like you're in that person's vehicle yeah you know it's Before intimate. social media and stuff, it was very intimate to be with a radio personality. But you were also very good at that, Tom. And I think that was something that I gained as a skill set moving forward. And kind of like how you were saying in regards to not wanting to be on stage too long, you yeah. understood who the star of the show was. Right? Yeah. Like taking phone calls. When I had a yeah. great show, I mean, sure, I don't stumble and I had some great bits or whatever. But I don't control what that person says on the phone. Yeah. And when you get yeah. that caller that comes through and it's yeah. just gold yeah. and, you know, you realize like this is an opportunity for you to highlight them. Like we are our listeners. Yeah. That's what really matters. Like we have the coolest listeners. I said that yeah. forever. Yeah. And just to have that type of a relationship where you feel that there's, you know, there's a push and there's a pull, there's a give and a take and people get to know what you're all about. Where Someone yeah. will give you a phone call out of nowhere. Hey, Tom. I think you'd love this. Like, I just saw this on whatever, report it. Like, that, yeah. that's how shit used to happen. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. And now it's kind of not the same. I can't say at, right now, it wasn't the same when, when I left radio. And I think there was just a time, like you said, that we were on the, the tail end of something that was really, really special. And it's mm-hmm. not to say that these things can't be accomplished today, but mm-hmm. I just don't believe. It can be accomplished in the same way. And I don't mean that in a, oh, well, in the good old days, because that's what every fucking, (laughs) you know what I mean? Every generation is going to say that. But I think just realistically, because people's attention, you have to fight for it so much harder. And it would be really interesting even just to see um, the books, like the current books in regards to how long people are listening today Mm. compared to how long people were listening, let's say, 15 years ago. Okay, so I want to get to that in a second, the books and how things are rated. Okay, this and people don't know how radio stations are rated today. And I know people are always like, oh, who cares? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So when you say books, people were literally mailed little books. And yes. you had to fill in which radio station do you, you listen to and for how long and on what day. Right. And if you did that for, I think it was a week you got it. And mm-hmm. they changed the timing at some point. Mm-hmm. I remember they lobbied for that. But you then had to mail it back. Yeah. But you got a loony. Yeah, you did get a loony. loony. Yeah. And people were like, who the fuck would do that today? Right. Like, but you don't understand. Like when you got that book, people's entire careers, their life right. depended on those books. Like mm-hmm. whether or not they had a job or a house mm-hmm. or like a paycheck or if they got that raise. And, it's bananas. And, yeah, it was, it was crazy. And I remember sitting in these countless ratings meetings and every year you'd be a loser. Because like you just so they'd be like, Don't worry, don't worry, Tom. You're not much of a loser. Look, you're number one, uh males, 25 to 26, named Dave. Yeah, it's like one dude that sent in a ship. You always you always knew how bad you did if uh, by how long the programmer took with you to explain how good you were doing. So you're like, "Mm, right. You really had to dig for that one. Good for you. Well, I remember when I went to college, one of the first things they had us do was they gave us a ratings card. Yeah. To sign out for the week. And then the following Monday, we were to hand in the assignment. And then, of course, everyone fucking forgot to do it. 
right? So what a lot of people, what a lot of people did is that they just, what was the station that they came to mind or they just asked a friend and say like, what is it? And then I just wrote it in like, oh, I'll I'll switch this around a little bit. I don't want to make it seem like it's fake. I can't put the same thing all the time, right? Because I don't listen to the same radio station. And then uh, we all hand in the projects. Obviously we all get it done. And then the prof, right after we hand it all in, he says, how many people did it like when you were just in the hallway before the class started? He says, like, you can answer. Everyone's going to pass. This is just kind of like a, a test. Yeah. And like half the students were just like, yeah, we didn't, we didn't do it. He says, that is, that's what a lot of people do, which is yeah. why it's important to be present of mind. And then he just asked you to kind of go over the reasons why you signed out the stuff that you did. It, you yeah. may have just come across one radio station that's caught you, or maybe it was a billboard, but whatever it might be, that's yeah. how important it is to, you know, compete for people's attention. And at the same time, that's the sad reality sometimes of what makes or breaks a person's career. Yeah. Because they really just do it as a law of averages, right? They just figure, well, right. if we do a couple of these, there's like a law of average that is true opposed to how specific this information is. Not very. Yeah. yeah. And it, it really puts the pressure on the individual jock and the individual individual radio station because the likelihood of you making a mistake with that one person that could have a diary and either saying something to them on the air or saying something that they don't like or saying something to them over the phone or saying something to them in person that then pisses them off or pisses yeah. off their friend who has a diary. All of a sudden you're like, whoa, man, I shouldn't be myself because maybe I just, so ratings time was always like when everybody was like, it's ratings, man, you got to be uh, in out. Yeah. Next <laughs> level. Don't talk yeah. so much. Just play the contest. Yeah. You know? like the, <laughs> no opinions. It. No opinions. opinions. (laughs) And like on on this, and about the fourth week, you're like, man, I'm really, I really need to give my opinion here. (laughs) Yeah, just one thing. (laughs) Like, I think the weather's nice. Can I say that? Yeah. No, (laughs) no, no, just read the sponsor. No, some people like rain. It's a, (laughs) you'll piss off the farmers. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it was, um, it was always so tense around ratings time, Mm -hmm. but really in hindsight, you didn't have much play in what you actually did. Like you, you just didn't have any say True. in what was happening. And at the time like you put yourself under a, a lot of pressure, like a lot of self-created yeah. and then you factor in things like self-doubt and then bad feedback and all yeah. that stuff. And yeah, it can be uh, it, it was always nerve wracking ratings uh, times. You know what? I, I do want to give a shout out to a, a guy that I kind of keep in contact with right now. Uh, Gord, who was uh yeah you know, our program director at one point of the bear. And I always, I always got along pretty well with Gord. And I think Gord was the right guy for me. uh, When I, when I started, I was definitely not the most focused person when I worked there, you know, so I probably got a lot of what I deserved. Uh, And he was relatively fair to me. So I'll say that Gord. Uh, But he also taught me a lot of things. Like when I think back just to a lot of perspective that I didn't have as a young man coming out of college and just, Mm -hmm. we joked about weather right there. And, you know, I would say, Hey, it's, it's a nice day or it's a bad day. And just like you said, with the farmers, you know, they're, they're, they're waiting for rain. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's been 20 days of sunshine and I'm fucking loving it, but I'm pissing off this farmer that listens to me every day, you know, or when it's snowing, I'm saying, ah, the snow is falling and not thinking about all the people that love to ski, like to skidoo, like to go on the canal, all those things. So sometimes just remaining neutral is a yeah. thing or just yeah. if you're just going to tell the weather tell the weather like nobody yeah. gives a fuck what you think the weather is anyways yeah well, and then actually, if you want to do a bit later on and talk about the weather in relation right. to wanting to do something then sure yeah it really always made me really appreciate other people's perspectives yes being in radio 
one of the greatest gifts it gave me was realizing that your voice is one of millions and it's not that interesting. Yeah. And like you, you touched on this earlier. I always prided myself on the fact that I could get people to call me and talk to me. And that even if you were in a shitty mood within 30 seconds to a minute, I could get you to turn it around or I could get you to mm-hmm. at least give me something or mm-hmm. give you something that made you feel a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And I always enjoyed that part of it, but it, it was, it was really hard at some time, at some points to truly understand that you were talking to so many different people because you are broadcasting. Mm-hmm. Like you're not, you're not talking to one guy at a time. You're talking to everybody simultaneously live. Mm-hmm. And what you say right here, like sometimes you're mad and you're, mm-hmm. you just really want to spit and you can't and you just control yourself. Sometimes the win is just being neutral and like, and seeing it from somebody else's point of view and getting mad from that person's point of view. That's when, that's when it was truly like a lesson. Like you, you, you yeah. took a lot of lessons away from that, like yeah. especially in times of tragedy. I remember when nine 11 happened and mm-hmm. I was on the air, mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know how to deal with this. Like I, right. I don't, I don't know what to say to people. Like people are looking to you for, to say something. Cause you're the guy that's on the radio every mm-hmm. night. And you're like, I got nothing. Like, yeah. Sometimes you don't. I mean, I've had no. to deal with tragedy as well. And I've just, yeah. I, I was fortunate to where I was working at a smaller station at the time where there was like a West Virginia mass shooting and it was on a military base mm-hmm. and I was working yeah. in a military town. And yeah. I just said once like, Hey, there was no news person. So I delivered the message and I'm like, that's all I want to talk about it. Yeah. What, yeah. what does me sensationalizing it do? Right. If you want to yeah. hear any more about that, you can go somewhere else for it. I'm going to mm-hmm. play music and we're going to have a good time. Yeah. And, and, and that's kind of like how I, I handled that. But just what's to go back to thing, oh, what's go ahead. the hardest thing? I have a question for you though, because you 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 brought something to mind for me. Uh, like because radio sometimes you have to have difficult conversations with mm-hmm. people even when you don't want to, mm-hmm. um, and that's being pretty vulnerable sometimes too. So mm-hmm. what was the hardest thing you ever had to do on the air? Like you mentioned earlier, you had said that you know your your mother's funeral, your birthday, mm-hmm. and you're back on the air. I can't imagine like the mental capacity to keep it together. Yeah. I was just on autopilot that day. But is there Um, another point that was hard like that for you? I have my own, which was pretty significant. Uh, You Um, know what? It would be just, you know, the personal trials and tribulations of just life. There's so many things that happened, whether it be, you know, like a girl years ago that, you know, said that I had got her pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, Like that was (laughs) <laughs> like that was a crazy period of my life. Uh, yeah. My best friend uh, committed suicide uh, shortly after I started radio. That was, I remember that. Yeah. It was in- incredibly, yeah. incredibly difficult. And then just finding a way to where literally I could be spending a good chunk of my day crying. And then, you know, I'm brand new to this radio world and I have to find a way to make it work. I can't say I need three weeks off or four weeks off, you know, because someone else is just going to tell you, you know, I, like my dad died or my mom died. Yeah. And, you know, I still yeah. went back on air and I get it because I was able to make it happen as I got older. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I was younger and just starting out and a young man that just didn't have all the tools necessary to deal with what life has to throw at you, because that's when you're learning. And we all, you know, sometimes it comes earlier, sometimes it comes later, but generally speaking, it's around that age where you're very impressionable and you start really dealing with loss a lot more. Mm-hmm. And I, I found that to be difficult and hard to just 
radio is cold. Radio's cold in the way that just, there's not a lot of people generally that are there to empathize. It's we've yeah. been there, we've done it, figured out. Yeah, radio is very much parallel to life in that respect. It just doesn't mm-hmm. care about how you feel. It's just going to carry on without you. Like it's mm-hmm. just going to keep moving forward because with no sound, there's nothing. Mm-hmm. So the sound has to continue. And when your voice stops, the next thing just has to keep coming because it's, it's insatiable. It has to keep going. I remember it, it stopped dead for me um, a couple of times in, in radio where I had to do difficult things. 9-11 was one where like it was if, like the silence felt endless like when I would had to talk about it on the air because people wanted to talk about it. And probably the most difficult thing I ever did was I was working in Fredericton and a co-worker of mine, she was the midday girl, um, Juanita, she was killed uh, in a, she was crossing the street and a car hit her. And she was killed and she had three young kids. She was a single mom and I was just fucking devastated. Like I just, and I had to read the notice on the air that she had died. And I'm like, like we had to say something because she just couldn't disappear. I remember we had a meeting before the fact and they're like, well, who wants to read this? And I just, I don't know why I put up my hand and I volunteered, but it's still with me to this day, thinking about her with her kids and I remember I had to go to her house and help her get what she thought was a mouse out from underneath her fridge but was a cat toy (laughs) kids had been throwing stuff underneath there and I just I was thinking of her and then I'm reading this and I'm crying on the air as I'm reading it and I'm like I'm like I I don't know why I did this and I don't know why that this is happening but when people called and they said you know I had to pull over on the side of the road because even though I didn't know her I could feel how much she meant to you guys and she had this infectious laugh and she was brilliant and amazing. And she was so talented, like so mm-hmm. talented for her mm-hmm. to keep her shit together. Mm-hmm. She was going through a divorce at the time. And like, it was just, it, she was an amazing woman. And I felt so much guilt because in radio, you're so snippy about the other people that are in your radio station. People talk shit all the time, but right. the rumors that go on all the time are always yeah. so rampant. So I felt a lot of guilt about, things that we had said or that we had thought or whatever because that's what radio is and reading that on the air you're like wow i i can't believe that i actually this isn't even real it was a totally surreal moment so another life lesson right yeah 100 percent. yeah once i cried on air once i cried on air it was like the one year anniversary of my mom's passing around there and i just said like i let my listeners know that i had gone through that i never talked about it yeah uh not that i hadn't lost my mom but i mean like the day of like the birthday, the funeral, mm-hmm. uh, and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, uh, I, I just said, you know, how much, you know, the listener, I always, yeah. always one listener, right. Yeah. Uh, is that how much that person meant to me? Yeah. You know, that the, the last year, the only thing that kept me moving forward and I'm self-employed, right. That was my mm-hmm. one year back to radio where otherwise I'm self-employed where I went through some other tragedy. There was a girl that I dated that passed away. And I right. became like an alcoholic on the couch because I didn't have something that I had to get up for every day. Yeah. Uh, and, and that kept me moving forward. And at the end of the day, you know, like I, I look at radio as a blessing. I, you know, I bet you do as well. So many different yeah. perspectives. I met so yeah. many amazing people and individuals like yourself that I'm still in contact with. And, you know, we chat back and forth online and stuff like that. We should most definitely make some more time. Uh, to get together and hang out one-on-one and have sex with yeah. girls on couches while you're married. 
<laughs> we'll just pretend yeah. it's the bear. We'll play rock music. Yeah, so I'll have to schedule it in somehow. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. But I really do appreciate your time today, buddy. And it was really great to have. We've not had this conversation in no. 15 years. No. 15, no, 20 never. years. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah so I was 23 I, when I started. And that's when yeah. I met you. That's 20 years ago. Yeah. We look like shit. So do you. I was going to say, you look <laughs> fucking gonna, tired, The whole man. time I've been waiting to say, like, dude, you look like ass. And I think I'll keep this part in. So thank you, Tom. I really appreciate it. Tom Shock, radio announcer. And actually, just a little bit, because uh, I know that you're, you know, you're on a farm now. Like, you have, like, yeah. a hobby farm. And you're very yeah. big on agriculture and stuff of that nature. Is there somewhere that people can find out more about you or catch up and find out what you're doing right now? Uh, yeah, there's, uh, so we have a small organic farm. It's 21 acres. It's in Chesterville. And we do some, basically we do rural education on where your food comes from and how that can help your find uh, both your mind, your body and your soul getting back in touch with nature. So we're slowly developing that. So it's called Gar Eden Farms. Uh, so it's named after our, our little boy or our little boy is named after the farm. So it's, <laughs> it's just a small patch. It's got an old barn on it. So that's what I kind of do. And other than that, I'm just uh, I'm doing some writing. I had worked for the Winchester Press here locally, so I do some writing on and off, and yeah, kind of raise the boys and grow food. That's yeah. what happens to old radio DJs, right? That's the way to grow, <laughs> grow food, right? I got into gardening. It's like I just kill me now. Didn't know uh, what else to do. <laughs> so I'm going to make sure that your contact information is in the description. So if people want to find you, they can. All right, buddy. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, All right. Nice. And thank you once again for having a lock to another edition of the Launchpad podcast. You take care. Be well. Love simply because you can. If you enjoy the content, give it a like. And of course, always appreciate the subscribes.